Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with George Zimmer, who for years guaranteed that men would like the way they looked as founder and CEO of Men's Warehouse. Now he's behind Generation Tux, the DTC digital-only company specializing in tuxedo rentals. I wanted to ask George about the evolution of the men's suiting industry, including the impact of the pandemic. Plus, I wanted to find out how his learnings from Men's Warehouse shaped the Generation Tux business model. Welcome, George. Good afternoon. Good morning. I'm not sure. Where are you? Um, I'm in the Midwest right now. It is good 1.30. How about you? I'm in California, so it's still morning. <laughs> well, good morning to you. Let's. We've got a lot to comb through. You've had quite the extensive career we're going to talk about today. Um, but yeah, let's circle back because I do want to compare and contrast what you're doing now versus what you did when you entered the suiting industry back in 19. 19- 73, my goodness. What was the market like at the time? There was a big wide open white space. Well, uh, no, it it actually wasn't uh, wide open, but I was only 24. And so like a lot of young single men of that age, I I just felt uh, invulnerable and, uh, you know, wanted to go out and make my fame and fortune, so to speak. Uh, But I'll tell you what the biggest difference, and I've said this before, this is not an original thought, uh, between the men's warehouse and Generation Tux, which has only been around for the last uh, seven or eight years. The big difference is that when I went into the tux rental business at men's warehouse in the 90s, I had a thousand men's clothing stores that in effect dragged me down in terms of profitability. And and so what I like to say about Gen Tux is that we're in the wedding business without being encumbered by a thousand men's clothing stores. Honestly, that's a big weight on your on your shoulders there. Eight years ago, Generation Tux, that, that's when you guys launched. Was it, um, did you have to sell men on the idea that you don't have to come in for one of those traditional fittings, that you can do this online and you will have a suit, again, where, where you're gonna look good? Um, yeah, what was the, the education, I guess, that you had to put out there? Well, it, I wouldn't refer to it as education. That's a little too glamorous. It was really uh, uh, just repeating a message uh, about shopping online in in lieu of going into a store. There are many uh, advantages, particularly for the bride who has so much going on around her wedding that this is a load off her mind. This is a a big stress relief to do business with Gen Tops instead of going into a store. So no stores, no pop-ups, no plans for physical retail now. Correct. It's 100% online. And, you know, having been in the bricks and mortar business for 40 years, uh, it is uh, exciting not to have 
bricks and mortar now. It's a completely different uh, uh, business. For instance, advertising, from which you know me, uh, was mostly television. And today, it's digital advertising. Uh, There's no television in our uh, mix right now and no radio. Even though I might have a great radio voice, it's all digital and I'm not part of it. I was just going to ask, do we see your face? So when you say digital, is it um, Instagram? Is it Facebook? Anything out of the ordinary there? You know, no. The only thing that's probably out of the ordinary is that in addition to things like Instagram and Facebook, we use things like the knot and wedding wire uh, because they focus on, on, on what we're doing. Okay, great. Well, tell me about your kind of go-to-market strategy. You took Men's Warehouse um, public, like anyway, huge company, huge venture. Talk about the investment in this company. What is fundraising? Was that crucial going in? Is that part of the business? Are you kind of going it alone? No, I have investors, but uh, uh, I had one main investor, uh, um, a man by the name of Dave Duffield, who's uh, about 80, lives up in Tahoe and was the founder of PeopleSoft and now Workday. And uh, uh, we have a, a, a long history. So he put money in and, and, and I did. You know, the I must say is I, lo- I love capitalism. Uh, uh, and I studied economics in college, so I think I understand uh, uh, all the different isms that have guided society. And uh, the beauty of, of starting a second company is that you have the money from the first company to help fund the second company. And that's kind of what happened at Generation Talks. Right on. What happened with Men's Warehouse? You left the company in 2013. What was the transition there? Well, it was awkward. I I was the founder and uh, I had stopped paying myself uh, many years before I was fired and was selling off stock to live. And uh, I was down to uh, 5% of the company when they fired me. So I had no, uh, uh, no way to prevent it. And uh, it was just a, uh, uh, I would call it uh, a coup, uh, to use a word that's popular right now. Uh, and and they, uh, they ultimately went bankrupt about five years after they fired me. And they have uh, emerged from bankruptcy. Uh, it's a very different company. Uh, my plans at Generation Tux are completely up in the air. Uh, we're very, very happy to just continue as we are. We have new ideas that we're going to be uh, getting into in the future. Uh, But in terms of going public or private equity, uh, we're open to anything that anybody wants to suggest. 
but we're in that lovely position of not needing to do anything. What were some of the learnings there? Or what advice would you give to a new a new founder, a CEO, in terms of um, maybe owning more of the, the business or having, uh, was did things kind of go in a different direction after you went public? What what maybe you would, would you have changed or what advice would you give um, to avoid what happened with Men's Warehouse and where I guess you, you landed in terms of how, when things kind of um, broke apart there? To answer your first question, the advice that I think I've, I've experienced myself now twice is that when you start a business, regardless of how good an idea you think you have, uh, it's going to take uh, a few years to become uh, either profitable or break even. Uh, so in my experience, it's, it's more than five years, both for men's and, and Gentux. So even though you have a good idea, you have to be able to stick with it for, I would say, at least five years. And uh, in the case of Men's Warehouse, we didn't go public until 19 years after we started. Uh, And uh, if I could go back and change anything, I probably would continue to have paid myself so I wouldn't have had to reduce my ownership. So when the board decided to get rid of me, I would have had the ability to uh, resist. I know there were some disagreements there. We'll go on to and focus on your company now. But like, what was the big disagreement that was that was happening? It was just they didn't like where you were taking it. How would you describe it? The way I would describe it is, that I was the founder of the company and uh, uh, the the, uh, spiritual center for the company. And so it was very difficult for anybody to be part of my executive team or or on the board of directors. And I really think that uh, when I went to them, Uh, naively and said that we could take the company private and get a 40% premium on our stock price. Uh, They they saw that as a threat, not as a uh, benefit to the shareholders. And so uh, within within weeks, they, they had let me go. Got it. Well, let's talk about what's happening now. Um, the competition in in the direct-to-consumer, digital-only, tuxedo rental space. I know there are some competitors, but I don't know if it's, you know, a hot, hot area. Do you feel like, um, how does competition compare to your prior business? Well, the big difference is that... Uh, in, in the digital age, as opposed to the uh, previous age of, of uh, uh, over-the-air television, uh, it's easier to uh, get involved in things like trademark infringement without being as obvious as it was uh, 40 or 50 years ago. 
what I'm experiencing now in business is that our success is creating uh, uh, a vehicle where competitors are actually using our name to create traffic for their site. And it's, uh, it's, it's hard to believe, but that can be done in the, in the digital age. Oh my gosh, of course. Maybe it'll be happy news for you that I just Googled <laughs> um, online tuxedo rental. I saw your name first. <laughs> oh, good. Well, you know, it changes every second. So uh, that's great that that's what just happened. But in an hour, that's not likely going to happen again. Oh my gosh. With the current obstacles, the current um, shifts in the market, challenges that every company is seeing, something like even um, shipping, the cost of shipping, I know that you've got kind of a guarantee. Tell me if I got the business model right, that you ship out um, the tuxedo up to 14 or 14 days ahead of the event. You have time to trade it out if it's wrong. I would think that that kind of um, back and forth, if, if, if it doesn't work out, will really add up in terms of your costs. Um, but tell me, um, tell me about that. If you're um, able to, I guess, combat the, uh, the strain that the shipping prices are, um, are having on, on companies. Well, there's no question that shipping is the main cost of sales. Uh, it's not the garment itself. It's the freight because we pay for the freight both ways. And you, you are exactly correct. We ship it approximately three weeks before your event. It, it leaves our inventory. You get it approximately two weeks before your event. And if you or any of the groomsmen need a, a, a new garment for whatever reason, uh, then we have time to get that to you uh, all online, all without leaving your living room, which is why I said earlier that this is a great way to uh, reduce the stress that uh, you know everybody is feeling, but mostly the bride around the wedding. Uh, this makes it much easier than running out to a store a couple of days before the event, only to find that you're not happy with the way your groom's tuxedo uh, fits. We have a proprietary fit algorithm, which uh, basically uh, ensures that no more than 20%, one out of five, have to be reshipped. So uh, that's nice. Pretty good. Nice. Have you got your eye really close on all the new um, fit technology that's coming out as more more businesses are doing kind of try on uh, online in in some capacity? Is that just a constant focus? Well, we use the kiss strategy, K I S S, <laughs> as you know uh, by Keith. Keeping it simple, stupid, we have found that it's very good for our business because it is the way our um, 
customers uh, respond. When we started in business uh, eight years ago, uh, we sent a tape measure to every customer, which had our name uh, embossed on it. We thought that was very clever. And then we realized that most people don't know how to measure accurately enough so that it was better if we simply said, which is what we now do, how tall are you? How much do you weigh? What was the waste on your most recent gene per purchase? Yeah. That and do you like to wear your clothes tight or loose? I mean, you know, I must say at, at the men's warehouse, our customer loyalty program was called Perfect Fit because we had 2,500 tailors that would ensure that you got a perfect fit, including any collar alterations. But in the uh, wedding rental business, we provide the right fit uh, as opposed to the perfect fit. That's awesome. I I feel like you probably heard this or um, I don't know, men's warehouse, all the measurements, what you were doing there. Um, how are you able to I guess, get the fit right, look nice. Um, there's nothing worse than a guy in a too big suit, <laughs> a too long suit, a too boxy suit. Um, men are challenged in this area. Is it just, I don't know. It seems like a challenge for you to not do that, but you're striking it right. Are there like small, I don't know, updates, tweaks that people want or that they request or it just works out well if somebody wants uh, a tweak as you say beyond what we offer uh, they can take it to their own tailor but what we do is uh, we we do sleeves on the jacket we do uh, uh, length uh, on the pant uh, uh, so we we have a, a way to determine uh, what size you should wear. And if for some reason our algorithm differs from what your, uh, your, your personal fashion sense is, then the reason we ship everything so early is to make sure that uh, the last thing you have to worry about is whether the groomsmen and the groom are going to look good in their garments. For sure. Well, you keep mentioning wedding, um, which obviously tuxedos are for weddings. Um, but tell me about the wedding boom happening now and how that's impacting the business, if you're able to keep up with demand. Well, we are because we anticipated it and we were able to uh, procure originally the fabric that we needed and then uh, subsequently had it manufactured into tuxedos and suits. So knock on wood, uh, we have plenty of everything. And so any customers who are getting married in the next six months should feel completely comfortable coming to the Generation Tux website. And uh, I guarantee 
that we will deliver what you order. Yes. Well, tell me about what you were feeling in 2020. Oh, shit. Events have come to a halt. Um, Like you said, you were anticipating this rush. Um, Was it about just being able to, I don't know, cut expenses in order to kind of bide your time and wait wait for that to happen? How did you prepare? That's all you could do. When the pandemic hit, it was really a once in a lifetime event. I've been in business for 50 years and I've never seen anything like a pandemic. And so the the best thing I can say about it is that we were able to get government assistance uh, when it was darkest at Generation Talks, when in, in effect our business had to be shut down And we were challenged to find uh, opportunity for all of our employees or or just continue to pay them, uh, which is what we did. And, uh, you know, fortunately, and that is only uh, two years ago, but it, it seems to have changed where although people still get uh, covid it doesn't appear that it's the uh, life-threatening situation that it was two years ago. Well, I would assume that some folks, guys, want kind of just a suit for their wedding. Talk to me about um, your maybe category expansion. I think that, well, obviously, workwear is changing. Maybe the same guy who's shopping men's warehouse for a suit isn't coming to you for a suit at any time is rental. But anyway, talk to me about demand for suiting. If what your focus you want to focus on tuxedos specifically, because um, there's a guy who want, who comes to you for a special event, and he'll always be there. Well, we are developing and I'm very happy to say that my uh, son who just graduated from college is a uh, going to be working uh, with us on this program. It's uh, basically a subscription model in suits and I guess tuxedos as well, Uh, using the Gentux inventory, we're going to be sending uh, suits to customers with a monthly fee. And we're very excited about uh, this being the new way uh, to, to, to take care of what used to be the men's warehouse type of business. Instead of buying clothing, uh, we think you can rent it and actually get more bang for your buck. Yeah, well, I'm a Rent the Runway subscriber on the girls' side, Um, and I I think that it works for sure. Tell me about um, who your customer is. Is this somebody that you still anticipate there are men who are wearing a suit to work every day? That's still going to happen no matter what, or who's going to be the renter? Well, actually, uh, of course, we, we would love men who wear a suit Monday to Friday to become our customers. But I'm really thinking that this is going to be the infrequent suit wearer who is going to recognize 
that instead of going out and buying a suit, he can do it all from the comfort of his living room. And just like with our wedding business, we pay for freight both ways and it arrives at your house. And as soon as you uh, put it back in the same box it came in and UPS scans it at, in your city, we are notified that they have the garment and we will then ship you uh, the next garment that you've requested so that there'll be only a day or two where, where you'll be without a suit and you'll be able to have a suit hanging in your closet uh, almost all of the time. Uh, and it will be a different suit uh, as often as you'd like. And, you know, from a man's point of view, it also means you won't have to clean it because we'll clean it. That's amazing. Yeah. When do you anticipate launching that? Go ahead. Well, we're going to launch it uh, this fall. Okay, great. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, when you were talking about how this is uh, in terms of tuxedos and, and for weddings, that this is kind of something to alleviate the the bride's mind or to um, take something and make it easier. Are you targeting women specifically in your advertising? Uh, maybe 99% of the time, does it make sense to target him or he's not really shopping for himself any <laughs> anyway for the wedding? No, we, we, we don't target women specifically. We're certainly not uh, uh, opposed to getting women uh, as an audience uh, but I, I think that it's it's more broad brushed. The fact is that our market are people in their 20s. And, and so I'm in my 70s. My son is in his 20s. So, so what I'm noticing is that young men uh, do go online and look at things as much as young women so that the uh in my era it was mostly the bride that did it but today it's becoming more 50 50. okay does kind of speaking to that shopper that the guy does that mean um working you guys are working with maybe some male influencers known for their style um are influencers part of the marketing strategy they're going to be part of the strategy for the suit club idea. Can't wait to see this. So talk to me about, I would say, building a business that's really suited to um, your style, the business that you are, I guess, the work that you want to be doing every day. It seems that you're evolving the company to be more of a family business, bringing your son into, into the company. Um, yeah. What does that mean in terms of a company that speaks to your your values, your your work ethic, or how are you really catering this to make sure it's very, it's very you? <laughs> well, you know, as I um, alluded to earlier, the big difference between now and then is, is that I have made a lot of money uh, already in my life. So I'm not as driven by money as I was uh, 50 years ago. 
and and so that that makes it more uh, enjoyable uh, and and more relaxing and uh, uh, less stressful. So to me, this is why uh, when I was fired at Men's Warehouse, I didn't just uh, uh, ride off into the sunset because I knew that if I could develop something as I have, that uh, my maturity and wisdom would enable me to uh, be um, more mellow as I went through it the second time. For sure. Well, speaking of money, you mentioned the five-year to profitability, at least for a company. Is Generation Tux profitable? Talk about the state of the company. Yes, we are profitable, and uh, which is why we're looking at a subscription model, uh, because now our wedding business is profitable. And, you know, unlike, I mean, I can't tell you what other private companies profitability is because it, it's it's not revealed but there are, are a lot of companies now big and small in online businesses that aren't making money because not only uh, are the freight charges uh, extreme but so are the marketing charges. So we are profitable, but I'm not sure that you can say that about every company. I mean, take as an example, Rent the Runway. Uh, I think they're a great company. And I, I, I had some experience with them uh, when we started our company. And, uh, but I'm not sure if they're profitable even today. I don't believe so. <laughs> no. Do you think that I would say mm, in terms of what is worthy of your investment, obviously physical retail in terms of a large investment, no, you're not going there. Is it about um, your people? Is it about, yeah, where are you putting your money today, I guess? What's what's taking the, the largest portion of the budget? Well, in an online business, 80% of your expenses are marketing and payroll. And uh, those are two things that I have some experience with. So for sure. Are there um, certain, I guess, tell me about the makeup of the company before we break off um, your uh, maybe the C-suite. Who did you bring on that you really um, thought would be great to work with and, and to lead this company along with you? Well, my main guy is a guy from Men's Warehouse by the name of Jason Jackson. And he came on, uh, well, he, he was at men's for about 20 years. And then he came to Gen Tux and uh, he's my main guy. And uh, then I have a CFO uh, back in Louisville where we're headquartered who uh, uh, joined our company when we acquired a company called Menwin about uh, five years ago. And uh, uh, he's, uh, he's a great guy. And uh, uh, both of these guys are uh, in their early 40s. And uh, 
you know, I, I find it uh, uh, humbling to have guys uh, that are so much younger know so much more about what we're doing than I do. Yeah, I love that. Well, I know that you wrote a book recently sharing your knowledge with the world, <laughs> your learnings. I mean, is it just about, um, yeah, you're tackling projects you're interested in. Any, any, I don't know, signs, any desire to retire at any point? No. Uh, and, and I don't even want to write any more books. You know, I might write an op-ed, but no, no books. Um, you know, I have nothing really left to say. Uh, although I, I would like to uh, throw this in, in in conclusion, which is that I, I talked about stakeholder capitalism in my book, and I'm now referring to that as employee capitalism. And uh, it's a subtle distinction because I wanted to shift the focus from all stakeholders in a business to just the workforce. So I think that a CEO has to worry about shareholders and about the workforce, thus employee capitalism. Talk to me, describe employee capitalism. What does that mean to kind of empower, empower the employees? Well, it, you know, I, I've often said uh, that if Karl Marx had known about ESOPs, he would never have written the Communist Manifesto because as long as the workforce has a piece of the rock, uh, there is no need for the state to own all the property as in communism. So I think that... Uh, uh, whether it's an ESOP or uh, profit sharing or generous compensation or generous benefits, uh, there are many ways that CEOs can manage their companies to benefit the employees who make it happen and the shareholders who have an invested interest in, in what happens. Make it worth their while. Right on. What can we expect to see from the company this year? Um, in, in addition to the subscription model or a subscription rollout. Uh, yeah, I would say in the next 12 months, not 2022. Uh, well, we're just going to do more of the same. Um, you know, we're doing extremely well. And, uh, we are going to just continue to do more of the same. I think what we have found, and, and I hope I'm not speaking uh, presumptuously here, but I think we have found that the combination of our uh, customer service, shipping garments to people two weeks before their event, coupled with the quality of the garments that we have, coupled with the price that we charge and, and our fit algorithm uh, makes our customers satisfied and they write nice reviews about us 
even on Reddit, uh, so that it's it's really just more of the same. Right on. Well, excited to follow your success with the new company. George, thank you so much for being here today. This was great. My pleasure. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to The Glossy Podcast. See you next week.